Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 106 in the series Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 5th of May 2013, entitled The Glorious Church of Jesus Christ, Part 38. And the Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. All right, we continue in our series on contending for the faith this morning. We take our scripture reading from Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 41. I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's word. Acts chapter 2, verse 41, the word of God says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. The same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers, And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. All that believed were together and had all things common, sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. They, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Father, we thank you again for this day that you've given us, for the privilege to be in your house, for each one that is here today. Lord, we thank you for your word that we have before us, for preserving it through the years, for your spirit that lives within us that we depend upon now, Lord, to speak to our hearts, to give understanding, Lord, to speak to each one here this morning as you know the needs of every heart that can only met through you. May you receive all the glory, all the honor. In Christ's precious name we pray, amen and amen. Now, if I struggle a bit, I'm fighting a pretty terrible cold this morning, but uh, praise God, I believe the Lord will get us us through that. And as we draw our attention to these verses here, uh, I would remind you that uh, uh, in uh, this series on the contending for the faith, we've been looking at the glorious church of Jesus Christ. We looked at the organization of a New Testament church, the officers of a New Testament church, the ordinances of a New Testament church, and for some weeks now we've been looking at the operation of a New Testament church. As we looked at the operation, what it is, how a church should operate, what it should be doing, we've looked at the focus of the church and the functions of the church. And under the functions of the church, we've talked about the ministry of worship, the ministry of witness, the ministry of the word, the ministry of work, and we've been looking at this ministry of warmth or fellowship, and that's what we looked at last week, and it's, it should be such an exciting thing for the Christian, because as we looked here, we, uh, we drew from verse 42 when it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers, and we've talked about all of these other things here. Uh, we're talking about the fellowship now, and we said this is that which is sometimes overlooked because we think of fellowship for all kinds of things. We have fellowship halls where we get together and we eat and we have fellowship with all these different people. But the word that is used here is koinonia in the Greek. And it literally is defined as not just any fellowship, but it's an association. It's a community. It's a communion. It's a joint participation, folks. It is an intimacy. This is more than just knowing somebody and having a meal with somebody and liking somebody. 
And of course, we looked at many things concerning this Koinonia Fellowship last week. Everybody can have some level of some kind of fellowship with anybody that they have something in common with. But we said that as we look at this, that we talked about the fact of its use in Scripture. And we find that as we look into the Word of God that uh, uh, is used in a total of 18 verses in the Word of God. And we looked at many of those verses last week. Here in Acts chapter 2 is the first time that it's used. It's the first time that this, ever, this word is ever used in God's Word at all. And we find that, well, just what is it? This koinonia fellowship, what is it that the church continued steadfastly in it? It's something that was important to them, something that they continued in. And of course, as we began to look there, we talked last week about this Koinonia Fellowship being dependent upon Jesus Christ. The world cannot know this kind of fellowship. The world can have friendly people and the world can have friendships and the world can have very close relationships, but the world cannot know. This koinonia fellowship that is found only in Christ, the intimacy that we can have with our maker and also with each other in him, in him. There is a fellowship that can be had that cannot be had otherwise. We looked at a number of verses and we don't have time to, to go back through those. The fellowship in the gospel, the fellowship of the, of the mystery, the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, the communion of the blood of Christ as we looked at all these different things, keep in mind that it also included the fellowship of his sufferings, uh, participating in the sufferings with the Lord Jesus Christ as we, during our 10 o'clock time this morning, had our church communion time. We tried to remember those things as we remembered our Savior. But from all those verses, we saw that this church at Jerusalem that it was continuing steadfastly in a fellowship that was totally and completely dependent upon Christ. It was something that you had to have Christ, you had to know Christ, you had to be in Christ and part of him in order to have this fellowship that they had as a church. But that brings us to the second point. Not only was it dependent upon Christ, it was distinctive to the church. In every instance of its use in scriptures, we found that it is in direct relation to the local church except one place in Hebrews where it talks about God being pleased with this koinonia fellowship. So it doesn't in any way take away from that. We find that it is a fellowship that because there is a common bond that is like no other an eternal bond that is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the church is, as we've seen in all of these studies, it is the body of Jesus Christ upon this earth. That doesn't mean that we don't have friendships out there. It doesn't mean that we don't have friendships with those in other churches. I'm saying that there is one body that is fitly joined together that is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and God puts those together in a local place where that each one has their own giftings and always everything. You see, as we look through these passages, we've, we've talked about the amazing things we've seen there that, you know, what would make a people literally love the Lord and love each other so much 
This wasn't, we've already said, this wasn't communism, but this was a community. This was communion that this fellowship had to the point that when they saw someone else in need, they were willing to take and sell their own possessions <laughs> to meet the needs of somebody else. Meeting that person's need meant more to them than building up their possessions here. That goes against the flesh. Even when we're generous, even when we try to help, we're talking about there was a, there was a uniqueness. And you see, it's this Quinonia fellowship, this intimacy, this, this community that they had with each other as a church that made them act different than the flesh would act. They really genuinely cared about each other that much. You see, we'll find here shortly as we look in the scripture, I mean, the devil loves to tear down this fellowship. He loves to get people, rather than being in this intimate relationship, he wants to start bringing out all the differences. He wants to get them bickering and arguing and looking at each other's faults and anything that can divide and separate in any way rather than having the intimacy that they can enjoy in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we've looked at these already as far as the fact that this Quinonia Fellowship, that it is dependent upon Jesus Christ. Unless you first of all and foremost know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, unless you know that you've been born into God's family, unless you know that you've joined into his sufferings, been made one with him, then the truth is it's only something you can hear about. It's nothing you can ever experience for yourself. And even once we are saved, it is dependent upon us being one together in him as his body. We also find that as it is dependent upon Christ, it is distinct to the church. We're talking about a kind of fellowship that God's family can have together in Christ that the world cannot experience. Folks, that's not us being big-headed or proud. That's just the reality of something that we have in Jesus Christ. There is a special intimacy there, a special relationship that we have, and we looked at many things that dealt with that. But finally, I want to give you one final thing today, dealing with this warmth, this Koinonia fellowship, this intimate relationship that believers should have together that as a church we should continue steadfastly in, it should be just as natural to us today as it was to the church at Jerusalem. It should give us such a bond of caring with one another that just to see somebody else in need would make us want to do whatever was in our power to meet that need. You see, it is dependent upon Christ. It is distinctive to the church. But I want to give you this also. It is demanding in its conditions. It is demanding in its conditions. Now, we've already seen that this Quinonia Fellowship is totally, completely dependent upon Christ. It can't come from anywhere. Therefore, it goes without saying that the first condition must be met, as we've already stated, in being born again, in truly being 
in Christ. It's not about having religion. It's not about being in church. It's not about being somehow a part of some, some specific group. It's about being in Jesus Christ himself. It can only take place there. It also seems clear from Scripture that to fully experience the kind of fellowship that we're talking about here, we need to be willing to make a commitment to each other. You see, again, I don't say this to I'm I'm saying there is something missing from your life if you're not part of the community of God. You know, so many Christians today feel that they can make it just as well without the church. Well, the truth is, is that the church is the body of Christ upon this earth. We've said many times, we'll never be the Christian that we ought to be without what the church does for us, but that's not what church is about. It's not about if you came today for what you can get, for what you will enjoy or not enjoy, whether you like or dislike, then you're going to miss the whole point. Part of church is about, as we see in the first church, doing for others. Every gift that God gives to his children is about using for others, using for the whole. He doesn't give us those things to use for ourselves. That's totally contrary to Scripture. We're here for the others. We're here for each other. And so people many times don't want that kind of commitment. Well, that's between them and God. But I'm saying to experience the kind of koinonia fellowship that we're talking about here is talking about an intimate relationship, a commitment to one another that we must have with each other. Association, community, communion joint participation, intimacy, all those things that we look at that this word is talking about is certainly not something that you can do on your own or have on your own. Oh, yes, you can have a relationship with God. But it's kind of like, you know, in a, if, if, if you look at the earthly family, you choose, okay, you're going to have a relationship with the father but you're not going to have anything to do with the mother, the brothers, the sisters, the uncles, the aunts, nobody else in that family. No. You see, you can have a relationship with God, but if you're going to have a relationship with the family, then it's something that's going to require being with that family, spending time with that family, serving that family. I'm not saying you're not going to go to heaven one day. If you're saved and born again, you're going to make it to heaven. I believe that with all my heart. We were talking about your relationship while you're still here on this earth right now. Right now, you're living now. You're not in eternity yet. One day, praise God, we will enjoy heaven for eternity. But what is our life doing here in the now, in the present? With those things in mind that we've already seen, I've got to say this too, that just because you're saved and just because you go to church, it doesn't mean that you're experiencing the koinonia fellowship that should be there because there are some conditions in Scripture. Yes, the church at Jerusalem, they were saved. They were born again. God was adding to their number, and they were steadfastly practicing in this koinonia fellowship, and you see it in the experience and all that they're doing for each other. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of 1 John chapter 1, just because, as we've seen, to call yourself a church, you can do that if you want. 
But to be a New Testament church is a totally different thing. The Apostle John, in writing in 1 John chapter 1, notice what he says in verses 1 through 3. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. I wonder who he's talking about. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. Verse 3 says, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. You can be a Christian without being a happy Christian. You can be a Christian without being a fulfilled Christian. You can be a Christian without being a Christian that is being used, that is accomplishing something with their life. We find that we could place all kind of words on that, whether it's successful or whatever that we want to be. You see, the thing what we're talking about here, though, is being a joyful Christian, enjoying your Christianity, enjoying your church, enjoying each other. He said, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, talking about Jesus Christ, <laughs> that ye also may have fellowship. First of all, he said, with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. That's the kind of fellowship we're talking about. Yes, with the Father, yes, with the Son, through the Spirit, but with each other. Again, we find here we we find that this reaffirmation, if you would, of the necessity for us to have this fellowship that truly is in the Father and in the Son, for us to have that fellowship, there's only one place that it can be had. That's found in Jesus Christ. He uses that same word again just a few verses later in verse 6. He says, if we say that we have fellowship, koinonia fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Okay. He said, this koinonia fellowship with us is in the Father and it's in the Son. But if you say that you've got this koinonia fellowship with him, with Jesus, but yet you're walking in darkness, he says, he said, you're telling a lie. That, in other words, that is completely impossible. You see, to have Kononia fellowship with Christ is conditioned upon walking in the light. That is a sign of genuine salvation, by the way. You can say that you're saved, but if you're still walking in darkness, something happened. If Jesus Christ is there, there is a light that is going to burn. There's a light upon your life. There's a light that's going to shine forth. And he says, if we're going to have this koinonia fellowship with him, with Jesus, but if we're going to still walk in the darkness and not in the light, we're telling a lie. You see, 
This fellowship requires being in the light. We find that he says in the very next verse, verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he, Jesus, is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, he says. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we walk in the light as he, as Jesus is in the light. When we're walking in the light with Jesus, it's only then that we have koinonia fellowship one with another. We start getting out of place and we're going to affect that fellowship that we're having with those that, that are there. It's conditioned upon walking in the light. It's conditioned upon being in the light to have fellowship with him and to have fellowship with one another. You see, that means that only genuine believers can have this fellowship. It is impossible I don't care how much you try or how much you try to convince yourself, it's impossible for a believer and an unbeliever to experience the kind of fellowship that we're talking about here in this church. It cannot be. One's in light, one's in darkness. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, he puts it this way to the church. He says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship? For what koinonia fellowship? For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what, notice the next word there, communion. Koinonia fellowship. What communion hath light with darkness? What fellowship hath righteousness and unrighteousness. How, how can those two have anything? As a matter of fact, the word fellowship there that's talking about the righteousness and the unrighteousness is not even the same depth. It's not the same fellowship in the Quinonia fellowship that he speaks of when he says, what communion hath light with darkness? Can't be. The two can never exist in the same place. When you put on the light, the darkness will never, ever overcome the light. The darkness can't overcome the light. The two can't coexist. They can't be there. When the light is there, the darkness is gone. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Of course, the yoke here is using that illustration of two animals that are yoked together. They might be pulling a plow. They might be pulling a wagon, but they're doing the same God. They're going in the same direction. They're yoked together to do something. We certainly apply that verse when we're speaking about relationships. For a Christian to marry a non-Christian, folks, is completely unbiblical. That doesn't say that a Christian can't fall in love with a non-Christian. The Bible doesn't say that. That's why we're to be careful with those relationships our flesh, our emotions can get all in the way of things. We can't yoke ourselves. How can you possibly be yoked together? Husband and wife, no more two but one. 
How can you be one with each other if one is one with Christ and one is the enemy of Christ? Okay, how good a person they are, how understanding they are, how nice they are, they're separated from Christ. That can't be. You know, that's just something that the Bible, but that doesn't just talk about relationships, folks. We yoke ourselves together with unbelievers in all kinds of ways. Business. I had to learn the hard way on that as a, as a young man. You know, partnership with a really, 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 really nice guy. Problem is he wasn't saved. And there came a point in that business venture when our ideas were different, not because he was a bad guy, not because he was a nasty guy. If I met him today, you know, he's still a nice guy. But we shouldn't have been yoked together in business together. One is a believer, one is a non-believer because somewhere along the line, and it did eventually, and it ended up being an expensive uh, uh, lesson for me to learn. But thank God I learned it. And you know what? You know, I, you know, Honest confession is good for the soul. My pastor warned me beforehand. <laughs> My pastor said, you sure this is what God wants you to do? You sure this is what God wants you to do? I didn't have clear focus. There was a yoke there that I put myself into. Folks, it's the same with your friends that you work with, the people that you go to school with. You know, when you start yoking yourself together with them, the Bible says, no. You see, the problem is, is that Light and dark, they can't possibly, righteousness and unrighteousness can't possibly have fellowship together. There's no way that light and dark can exist together. So this fellowship that we're talking about clearly in Scripture, I'm not trying to make it something that it's not. The Scripture is absolutely cut and dried. It's straightforward, a truth, a principle that is not difficult to understand here as Christians. We're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers because it's impossible to have the kind of fellowship that God wants us to have with each other, with an unbeliever, just as surely as it's impossible for light and dark to do so. That's a pretty simple illustration. But why don't we heed it? We find that We've seen these verses speaking of having this Quinonia fellowship with both the Father and the Son. And now we find that in this familiar verse that we see that is often quoted, that that relationship, of course, is one with the Holy Spirit as well. You can't separate God the Father, God the Son, and have God the Holy Spirit, have fellowship with one but not with the others. There's only one God. Paul closed out his letter to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. He said, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is the way we often say it today. He said, be with you all. Amen. He's praying this blessing for the Christians here in the Corinthian church, these are the closing words of his, of his letter to them. We often pray the same thing today. It's not uncommon in a church service to hear those words as the benediction at the close of a service. Friends, it's a very different thing to 
know someone and to have an intimate relationship with someone. It's a very different thing to know God, to know Jesus Christ, to know the Holy Spirit. It's a very different thing to know them than to have communion with them, to have fellowship with them. You see, how can we fully experience that fellowship? Well, these are things that are conditions that the Word of God puts, and then I want to give you one final passage in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Notice notice as we begin reading here, he says in verse 1, he said, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship, if any when only a fellowship of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, if any of this, he says, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. That sounds awfully familiar to those things that we read about that first church at Jerusalem, one mind, one heart, singleness of heart. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, through factions, if you would. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Folks, I'm talking about that. I want to tell you something. When a church truly continues steadfastly in this kind of Winonia fellowship, it's a fellowship that we can have. And, and it's like we said in the very beginning, fellowship can be had on different levels of understanding, different levels of our intimacy and relationship with each other. But in the church, surely, you know, we ought to be of one mind, of one heart, of one accord. And yes, there are many other believers out there that, that believe the same truths that we believe, practice the same faith that you and I practice. We can have special fellowship with them. May I say, one of the truths of 1 John as we've looked through those verses there is today there's a lot of, I don't know any other way to put it except artificial fellowship in what we know as ecumenicalism in Christianity. In other words, it's do away with the light, do away with the truth, do away with the word, all those things that we've already looked at in these verses that are essential for this kind of fellowship so that we can just all get together. doesn't matter what you believe. doesn't matter how you live as long as you say that you're a Christian. Folks, I want to have fellowship with 
everybody that I possibly can. And I don't want to draw any, any more lines in the sand than are absolutely necessary, but I don't draw the lines in the sand. And when a church begins to get on that legalistic bend of drawing all these lines in the sand that you've got to do this and that and the other, but it's not in God's Word, then they'll never know this kind of fellowship either. The kind of fellowship we're talking about is found in the truth, is found in God's truth. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, he goes on to say there. You see, if he can destroy that, that kind of intimate fellowship that ought to be between every member of a church, if he can destroy that, then there's not going to be this caring one for another that he's talking about here. There's not going to be this putting the others before yourself. The old selfish flesh starts getting in and coming in and participating in all of this. I'm saying to you today, we need that kind of fellowship in our church. And that's why the Bible goes to such great extent as to when there's things there that is breaking that fellowship. When you've got a problem with somebody, go to them. Don't let that cancer eat away at you and, and destroy that fellowship. Because you know, even in your own family, you know that when Two people have a problem with each other. It affects the rest of the family as well. We need that koinonia fellowship. We need that kind of fellowship that loves unconditionally as God does. That's there trying to help and trying to encourage and trying to build up and trying to lift up. Not to put down and to tear down. We need that here. We've got that here. We can have fellowship with others out there that want to stand on the same truth, that want to believe the same truths that we do. We don't need, we need to get men's stipulations out of the way. They divide, even within a church. People have their own ideas. You got to think this, and you got to do this, and you got to do it this way. We need the mind of Christ. Some of it can sound really good. They can, they can pull all kinds of things out to make it sound good. Talk about it. You know, get in one mind, one heart, one accord. Continue steadfastly in this fellowship. If you're here today, this service is just about to become history. May I say that whatever you've got in your life, whatever love you've got for God, whatever religious experiences you may or may not have had, Today, I want to offer you something in God's Word. I want to offer you an intimate relationship with God, the creator of the universe, and with his family that, first of all and foremost, is totally dependent upon Jesus Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can't experience this. And it's the greatest fellowship of all. It's one that goes beyond just knowing and liking and caring. It's one that goes to the point to where that you literally, you love each other so much that the other person is more important than I am. Kind of sounds like marriage is supposed to be, isn't it? <laughs> the truth is, is that there are many similarities. No longer two, but one. Well, the Bible says us that when we become part of the church, we're one body. No longer a whole bunch, but one body together. 
That only happens in Jesus. If you don't know that Jesus today, I want to tell you something. You're missing out on the greatest relationship in the world. Oh, yes, there's consequences in eternity. There's consequences right now. It's dependent upon Jesus Christ. It is something that, again, maybe you're saved and born again and you love God. But maybe for whatever reasons, you shot away from being committed to a church. Committing yourself to others, to caring about others. May you've been too focused upon what you want and what it will do for you. Maybe today you need to get your focus on others. Maybe you need to make that commitment to be part of a body, to have a relationship that the world can never give you and that even with Christ you'll never have without committing yourself to his body and being a part of his body. Yes, it does have certain demands upon you. But those demands will become natural. You've got to be walking in the light as he is in the light. There are commitments to one another that must be made that in order to know this relationship, but the truth is, is that there's nobody else in the world that can make your choice for you. Today, do you need to be saved? Do you need to be part of God's family? Today, as a Christian, do you need to make some commitments, <laughs> some commitments to God and some commitments to the body to serve others, to serve Him? The Lord's here today if you want Him. Mm-hmm.